G'day and welcome back to the Talking Leadership TV podcast series. Our guest today is Matthew Pohl. He became the owner of a small business after several years as a successful data analyst. He felt a calling to create something of his own as part of an entrepreneurial bent that he owes to his father, who was also a small business owner. It was difficult for Matthew to receive evaluation of his company, realizing that after 12 years of sacrifice and hard work, his company was worth far less than he expected. He started looking around for solutions and that's when he came across the stages of growth methodology. He took those principles and concepts and applied them to his business, the results being, as Matthew puts it, extraordinary. In just three years, the value of his company increased tenfold. He sold his business at a price that truly reflected the time and effort and investment that he'd put into that business. He could have retired at that point, but experiencing the power of these stages of growth methodology, he wanted to bring that to market so that others could benefit. And that's how the Rewild Group was born. I'd like to thank Matthew for his time today. Hope you enjoy this podcast, but enough from me. I'll hand over to Matthew. Well, uh, leadership for me came pretty early uh, in my career. Um, I, uh, after leaving college, I spent a few years at the Federal Reserve Bank uh, and then uh, moved on to Arthur Anderson, which at that time was one of the world's largest uh, consulting firms, accounting and, and consulting. And um, there I had been at in my team for, I don't know, maybe six months or so. And uh, the manager I reported to uh, left the organization and was asked to take a step up and uh, oversee a team that was doing some really complex data analysis. And so, so I was kind of in my early 20s, mid-20s, and I've kind of been in a leadership role ever since then, you know, uh, first through a corporate environment and then as a business owner uh, for the last, uh, well, last 20 years about. So, so in that, in that, uh, transition to becoming uh, a business owner and in the time you've spent applying what is the leadership trade have you seen some changes and I'll I'll preface this question as an add-on to the first around uh, before we hit COVID and we'll talk about COVID maybe after but have you seen a lot of changes in the way that you have applied what is the the, the art of leadership or has it been consistent for you over that period of time? Yeah, that's an interesting question. I think um, I think over those years, obviously, I've I've learned a tremendous amount. What works, what doesn't work, you know, what my strengths are, what my weaknesses are. Um, I would say I lead today uh, along the same principles as I always have, um, but I think it's just from a. a a state of, of greater maturity in my age and my experience. So I, th I think, you know, leadership, um, one of my favorite quotes is from John Maxwell. He says, everything rises and falls on leadership. And that's been kind of a, a mantra I've, you know, kind of held to really since I had my own business, that was not a phrase I had heard when I was more in the corporate world. But, um, you know, I think there are basic principles of leadership that have served me well and and I've, I've tried to apply them pretty much throughout my career yeah i would have to agree the 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 reference for the importance of leadership has often been put to me as it being the great enabler um and in in any context whether it's a for-profit or not for-profit context I, th I think i'm i'm on board with that and 
and what you're saying resonates. So um, the next logical question here, uh, Matt, is defining leadership. So how do you define leadership? Well, again, Maxwell says, uh, you know, to be a leader, you have to have people that follow you. So I think at the heart of leadership is your ability to get people to follow, uh, to work together, to achieve uh, things greater than um, than the individual can. And so I think that's really what leadership attempts to do is to, uh, through some mechanism, for me, it tends to be, I'm, I'm more of a visionary type of leadership uh, style. And so for me, a big way that I think I motivate people is through the painting of a picture of where we're going as a team to making that compelling, to uh, laying out a roadmap, how we're going to get there, and then assisting them and working with them uh, to achieve where where we said we're going to go. So that's that's been kind of a tactic I've used through, um, I would say, more of the the last 20 years, maybe then maybe my earlier years, uh, but it's, it served me well as a business owner. And that's kind of my, uh, my primary leadership style is uh, th- what, what I refer to as visionary uh, leadership style. Yeah, that, that's interesting. Can I ask you if, if you self categorize in that way, and it's an inter- interesting way that you put that, does it, does it mean you don't like the details and, you want to be the the big ideas person in the business or do you see yourself having some combination? And why I ask this, Matt, is I very recently did some podcasting with some people that gave me the distinction between what a governance board is, an advisory board is, and what a GM does and what a CEO does versus essentially what entrepreneurs do. So um, are you the details human being or do you prefer to play in the space of ideas primarily or are you some mix of those things? Yeah, that's a good question. My, my, um, I would say my view of leadership is influenced heavily by John Maxwell, but also for, by uh, Daniel Golem, who wrote the book uh, Primal Leadership. And at the Rewild Group, we use uh, Golem's research where he identified six leadership styles. And, uh, you know, my perspective is that um, that there is not one type of leadership that is needed. Like there's not just, if you do this leadership style, you know, that's going to make you successful in every environment, um, that there are different leadership styles and that really it's a combination of these styles that you tend to have naturally. And that as a leader, especially the leader of a small or mid-sized business, it's critical that um, you align your leadership style with the needs of the organization. And so um, that's really kind of the heart of our research at the Rewild Group is identifying that there are seven stages of growth that small and mid-sized businesses go through, that those stages are defined by how many uh, employees you have in the organization. Um, and along the lines of those stages, there are optimal leadership styles uh, that need to be embraced by the leader in order to encourage growth. And so um, my my natural leadership style is visionary, coaching. Um, I'm drawing a blank on the third one. Um, 
And um, your, your question, though, relates to kind of how I approach work, I would say, more than my leadership style. And um, while I am a visionary, um, part of my creating a vision is, is being organized in my thoughts to say, here's where I want to go. So having a clear destination and then being able to lay out a roadmap to how we get there. So <clears throat> my academic background is really in data analysis. So I, I tend to be a very detail-oriented person, uh, a bit of a perfectionist, in fact. Um, that's an area I've had to grow out of a little bit to be, be a better leader. So um, visionary is part of that. But coaching, coaching is really about seeing the best in people and, and helping them grow to be better uh, better versions of themselves, essentially. And so um, those are kind of my two natural leadership styles. Um, and our stage of growth methodology has helped me as I lead different sizes of organizations to know, is that the right blend of leadership styles for me to use or, or not? And it's allowed me to understand when I have to kind of... Um, adjust what's natural to me to more what is needed by the organization. And that doesn't make me really good at these other leadership styles, but I know when I need to be a little bit more democratic, um, more, more commanding, uh, th those might not be my natural styles, but it helps me know when to deploy and emphasize those kind of styles more as the, the head of the organization. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. And the that leads nicely into, logically for me, the next question around leader capability. So in in that sense, and I've, I've been a student of this for quite some time, that I, in my own mind, have what I think are critical for effective leadership, but the podcast isn't about me. So I'm going to put the question to you. If you had to, okay. if you had to, of course, if I had to rank... Um, ask you to rank your top most critical leadership capabilities. I'm asking this in the context that I am fully aware that there are many leadership capabilities mm -hmm. that people could discuss. But from from your perspective, Matt, what are the most critical for you? I think, uh, again, I said leadership is all about do you get people to follow you? So, I mean, at the, at the heart of it is leadership gets to be a good leader, you have to get people to be to be willing to follow you. And so how I accomplish that, I think, you know, I've, I've mentioned the being able to see a vision, communicate that vision. I think a second thing is just, um, I really try to bring out the best in people. And so I invest in them. How I interact with them is out of mutual respect. Um, and, you know, I'm, I really, there's kind of a teacher side of me. I, I want to show people and, and help them answer questions. I'm a good problem solver. So when we run into issues, um, I'm a good collaborator. Uh, I, I think best in a group. Um, I, 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 I'm good at problem solving, but what I see is for at least me, I work best when I have multiple people around me that are, uh, going back and forth on potential solutions. So I think the collaborative nature that how I lead is uh, is a positive that gets people bought into where we're going. The solutions we've come up with are, are not just from top down. Um, 
I, I also think, and this is not always the case with people who are very analytical, um, I, I make decisions. I'm, I'm not a procrastinator. And so I think that's an important part of moving the team forward is as a leader, you do have to make decisions. And one of the analogies I use is this idea of, of, of horizontal discussions and vertical decisions. And the idea is that there's time and a place for there to be these conversations horizontally among peers and even subordinates and supervisors. And so you have these horizontal discussions where everybody's being heard and you're talking about it. But then there's times where a decision has to be made. Those are vertical decisions where one person has to make a decision so the team can move on. It may not be the optimal decision, may not even be the right decision, but a decision has to be made for the team to progress. And so um, while I am analytical and I do like to have a lot of information, if I can, to make a decision, um, I do make decisions fairly quickly. And uh, because of that, you know, the team can see the logic. It makes sense. Okay, we're behind it. We move forward together. So I would see those would be a few of the things that I've seen contribute to my success, being a visionary, treating people with respect and growing them. Um, <clears throat> being collaborative and being able to make decisions um, quickly and timely so that we don't get stalled as an organization. Yeah, that that's, it's an interesting list and it, it's consistent with what I've been hearing uh, from other podcasts. Yes. And it just reinforces in my mind that um, although I hear some similar themes, everyone brings a slightly different bent to this. So um, I, I would be very skeptical if somebody says there is a set key of key strategic leadership capabilities you need to have and that's it and i don't i'm i'm not so married to that view of the world now given that um people need to be situationally aware and things can change quite rapidly yeah. from one minute to the next you'd, you'd be aware of that as a as a small business owner let me ask you this uh post covid do you think the way people lead or at least uh for the purposes of our discussion do you think your your thinking around leadership has changed post COVID? Did it reinforce some things? What what was that like for someone in a leadership position like yours post COVID? If we if we can agree that we're in a post COVID uh, world at the moment, I, I'm in agreement that we are in a post COVID world. So, um, but as far as the impact of COVID, I think it's 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 kind of that question about over time. You know, the temporal changes of leadership. And, you know, I believe there are principles that are, are kind of timeless. Um, obviously, there's always refinement over time, and you emphasize certain things more in certain cultures, maybe uh, certain times. But um, I, I would say that COVID really hasn't changed my approach to leadership, but it has reinforced the need for certain things. And, and, um, there's kind of three things that we we say that leadership of an organization needs to provide to all the layers of, of an enterprise. And that is structure, clarity, and focus. And structure, clarity, and focus are what employees need. Now, as a business owner, I don't need all of those. That's just kind of the nature of how I work, how I think, you know, being a risk taker that I am. Um, but employees do desire to have structure, clarity, and focus. And so I would say 
during COVID, during the shutdowns here in the States, you know, when my team wasn't always able to get together um, and we had to work remotely, um, you know, this idea of making sure I'm doing well with those three areas really was highlighted. It, it was like, okay, I need to make sure I'm being intentional in those three areas. So how do I give them more structure? How do I allow them to focus? And what can I do to bring greater clarity on what's important? Where should they focus? And, and the net result was that in COVID, we just required more communication uh, because you weren't there in person. You had to be more intentional. You had to just get on the Zoom calls and and talk more and just even interact as, you know, just humans, uh, as people, as opposed to not, uh, you know, that was more natural when you're in person. It, it seemed almost artificial, but you you had to do that just to kind of get back to the baseline. So I don't think it changed. In my, in my experience, it didn't change leadership. It didn't change the principles of leadership. It just highlighted certain principles that became that much more important in, with a, a remote uh, group of people that you're leading. Uh, and so that's really what I saw in COVID was just kind of stepping up into areas that were always important, but became even became critical uh, in that environment. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that, Matt. It's um the discussions I've had around this have been exceptionally varied and you've uh, ticked off on what I've been hearing so far. Not, not that that makes any difference for anyone listening to this, just in my own mind, in terms of learning from the process, I really like that area about intentionality with your leadership, particularly through a time where um, if we can agree, and you don't have to agree, I guess, that COVID, COVID was a massive disruptor and a change process that was um, thrust upon all of us without us asking for at least seeing it coming that yes, a structure and clarity and definition of purpose becomes more important to those that you lead versus yourself. If you already have that in mind, I would suggest to you that there will be a lot of leaders in your position globally, not just in the U S and, and definitely here in Australia that missed out on some of those things or assumed their people would just adapt and be resilient without that um, uh, template from those that that are leading them. And that that's not to attack those in the small business or business community. It's more to have a recognition of sorts that um, maybe what COVID did highlight is deficiencies in the thinking, not deficiency that is you're not a good leader, that maybe you need to put some more thought around things like intentionality and and providing structure to your teams and that that seems to come out pretty strongly in your response and um i get a sense from the guests that i'm talking to in the u.s that you guys are more than happy to see the back end of this from a business perspective it was a blip and now you need to do what you need to do to recover i'd like to draw your thinking if i can around um a question that i ask in all the podcasts and i'm, I'm fascinated to see what your response will be uh Leaders, are they born or are they made? That's a big question. You know, nurture versus nature is has been something that people have uh, wrestled with on you know the human uh, the human story for millennium. Uh, I would say that when it comes to leadership, 
Um, I do think that there are certain personalities that are more naturally inclined to leadership. Um, I do think that you can have those traits that are more conducive to being a leader and still fail to employ them, take advantage of them, and therefore never become a leader. And just likewise, you can be deficit, <clears throat> a bit deficient in some of those characteristics that a leader needs, and you can learn how to step into leadership. So I think you see that in many contexts, but I would say here in the United States, you see that in the military where you get soldiers who are just, you know, don't know up from down and through rigor and training and repetition, they grow as, as people, um, uh, many of them men and grow up into a, a leadership role where people's lives and lives are at stake in the decision they're making. And so uh, I don't think if you look at that environment, you would say that only those born with leadership skills and personality traits get advanced in the rank and actually demonstrate leadership. So that's why I would say it's, it's a little bit of both. Um, I think training helps. I think um, mentoring helps. Uh, but at the end of the day, to me, leadership is really in part about being able to take on risks, about doing things new. And if you're unable to do that, you cannot lead, in my opinion. You have to be able to understand risk and be accepting of, of proper levels of risk um, for you to, to truly lead others. Because leadership is saying, follow me. And as people are following you, you have to have a sense of where you're going, even when you have a lot of uncertainty. And so you have to be able to accept uncertainty. Obviously, it changes depending on your situation, whether you're leading a whole corporation or leading a team within a, a, a business. Obviously, the levels of risk are quite different. But I think uh, being able to say, I will take on risk, I will take on responsibility, and I will start walking and and leading people uh, to a certain destination. Um, if you're not willing to do that, um, you 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 kind of get stopped. You you can't go any further as a leader uh, in an organization. So, um, and what's interesting, what I've seen is, you know, those early steps early in my career to take on more responsibility. Not that I did it exceptionally well, but it was part of that learning process to see that leading a team, making decisions, sometimes them being wrong, was not fatal. And so it just makes you more confident to take more decision, more responsibility, making more decisions. And so you got to kind of have to start someplace. So that's where I'd say it's kind of learned. You learn it by taking chances, by taking on risk, by taking on responsibility, learning, adapting, and then continuing to press forward. Um, and that's where I think you you grow as a leader. Yeah, thank you for that. It's um, not inconsistent with what I'm hearing. Uh, I'm yet to find a guest, and I, I thought I thought you might um, be be that guest, given what you've said, is that it really is something that needs to be trained in people. And I 
I, I guess wrong because you've gone with a mix of the two. I, I'm more that way as well. But if I had to break it into a percentage, I think it's about 70, 30. For me, 70 made and 30%. You just meet people in your travels that do everything you're talking about, have those personalities or traits that lean towards leadership. But what you do, what you did identify, and I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated to have this discussion with people is you have to make a choice to be a leader. So you might have all the gifts, natural gifts in the world to be good at the job, like what what you've said, but if you don't make that choice and you're not leading, you're doing something, but it's not leadership. And um, you've used risk a lot in your responses. And I'm, I'm, I'm interested in that as an area because acceptance of risk, there's a commonality between founders and CEOs and leaders of all descriptions, including the entrepreneurs that your appetite for risk, I think does shape in some ways what your leadership is going to look like. And then as a founder or a business leader, then the risk profile changes considerably. And if, like you're saying, if you're a visionary leader, which I, I have no doubt that you are, Part of being in that mindset is I have to accept some risk when it comes and not panic, but see it as a challenge to overcome rather than it being a roadblock um, to progressing in the business. And yeah, I, I would suggest to you and feel free to disagree is uh, most people's risk appetite is enough to get by, but not enough that they want to uh, make themselves stressed about what those risks look like, where I think uh, mature leaders in the main and definitely those in the entrepreneurial category um, really seek risk as part of that profile, not not for the sake of making themselves stressed, but they don't see risk as a threat and more of a challenge. Does that, does that ring true for you? Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. And that was, you're kind of reinforcing my position that, you know, the level of risk and responsibility you're willing to accept does impact how much, how many people, you know, what level of leadership you're going to reach, right? So you're right, those in a, you know, a large corporation that are a supervisor, manager, you know, that's a certain level of risk, but it's kind of within a fairly well-defined organizational structure and responsibilities and stuff like that. Whereas the entrepreneur starting their own business, you know, like you said, that that's a different order of magnitude when it comes to risk acceptance and um and you know I, i'm not saying one is right or wrong it's based on the person of what they want to accept but that one decision that they make does have a tremendous impact into where they go the level of success they they get to and typically it's correlated to you know the money they make in the marketplace so um i i've come to accept, I didn't see it at first, but, you know, uh, my risk tolerance is much higher than, than the average person. Um, but again, I, I, and I don't know really why, um, you know, I would say in part, my business partner, uh, she's very, um, uh, risk tolerant. And so she's really pushed me, uh, to take on more risk than I probably would have done. Oh, I definitely would have, wouldn't have done as much, take on as much risk as, as she would. So it, it's kind of, but being willing to do that, get outside of your comfort zone and say, okay, we'll, we'll do this. There's a lot at stake, but we're willing to take that risk um, is, is a big part, again, going back to leadership, 
and influence and impact, all those kind of come together. If you want to impact the world, if you want to impact lots of people, you have to be a leader and a leader who's going to be willing to accept risk. Um, otherwise, you're, 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 you're focused a bit more probably on security and safety and stability and stuff like that, uh, which have their own benefits. Um, but you, you kind of can't do both. Yeah, it's interesting that you you noted that um, your business partner uh, has helped you overcome that uh, that hurdle and, and potentially accept more risk than you might uh, normally want to um, engage with. And that uh, the fascination for me there is having someone that you, you know has your back and shares the vision with you can be helpful and can help you to, as you say, um, get out of that comfort zone. And that, that I think is one of the markers that delineates the good leaders from the great leaders to the not so great, because they're the rewards that come from taking that risk can be significant. And you really want those people in the mix of human beings. However, I would suggest, and this has been brought up to me a few times that you can't have a world full of leaders and CEOs and entrepreneurs because you need people to do the doing and some sometimes those in that space, Matt, um, you might include yourself in this or not. You do need some people that can do uh, things in the business that you don't have the capacity to do or the skills to do, and be comfortable with that. Being able to give away some power, being able to give away some control, more control than anything else, to say this person or the this this group will help me grow the business, and that's necessarily a good thing. And, um, I get the sense you've, you've been introspective about this and that, that to me is something that underlies everything that you've said. I don't think you can get to the positions and, and the way you've gotten to in your career professionally, if you didn't have a degree of introspective, um, capabilities to see what it is that you do and how do you do those things better? That that's a personal view. Um, and I'm, I'm picking up this more and more as I talk to people, not, not that I'm I'm putting a um an academic lens on this. I'm I'm thinking from an experience point of view. I'm getting that more and more from the people I'm talking to, and it kind of makes sense given everything that you've said before. Look, this has been great chat. I I do want to put the last uh, question to you, and this is around looking back at a career, your own career. What would you say to a younger version of yourself about being a more effective leader if you could go back in time to a young Matt and say, "Here's what I would suggest that you think about." going forward that you might want to consider that I haven't considered? Probably one or two things. The first goes back to that idea of risk and and just to encourage the younger version of me to set aside kind of beliefs that came from early childhood, um, you know, wanting safety, wanting security, and being willing to take more risk earlier. Uh, you know, I started my first business at 35 there's really no reason I couldn't have started at 30, but, um, you know, it's, there's risk there. And I had to get to the point of having enough courage to do that. And, um, you know, and, and each year I think of being an entrepreneur, at, just like anything has a compounding effect. So had I started at 30 instead of 35, you know, I think I could have gotten a, another multiple out of here someplace. So just being willing to take more risks. And then um, secondly, I'm 
an area that is still not my strength, and that is dealing with conflict of, of being able to lead and work through conflict with others is not my biggest strength. And, um, you know, probably have gotten stronger in that early, earlier in my career. I think that would have helped me avoid some setbacks and, uh, you know, situations where I didn't lead as clearly and, um, you know, have hard conversations, make hard decisions uh, earlier. And I, I think part of that comes from personality, part of that just comes from maturity. And so um, those would probably be two areas that if I could have done a little bit better, you know, I might have gotten a little bit further than I am today. But, um, you know, like any time you go back in time, you never know what else is going to change, right? So, <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say hindsight's a wonderful thing. Look, Matt, thank you for your time today, mate. Yeah, no, I, uh, Eric, I really appreciate you having me on. And, you know, like I said, everything rises and falls on leadership. Leadership does make a difference uh, in every environment that it's um, deployed. And, uh, you know, it doesn't matter what level you are in an organization. You can always demonstrate leadership wherever you are. And I'd encourage you to do so because the more you practice that, the more you'll learn and the better, better you'll get over, over the years. And uh, that will have a dramatic impact on you and the people that you lead. Thanks again for joining us on the podcast today. I'd like to thank Matthew for sharing his leadership insights and pathway with us. As always, if you'd like the content, please drop a like or help us build the channel by subscribing to Talking Leadership TV. Our next podcast will drop on the 21st of August and features Renee Lati. I hope you can join us for that podcast. Have a great day, rest of the week, and we'll catch everyone on the next episode of Talking Leadership TV.